0: I'm Annie Fox. And I'm Laurel Pinson. And this is WorkWives, conversations at your desk with the woman who knows you best. Every time I think about bad dates, I think about the scene in Indiana Jones. Didn't think you were going to say that. Keep going. Yeah. Where they almost, where Indy and his cohorts almost get poisoned by dates because that (laughs) creepy guy in Morocco. (laughs) like poisons it and then indiana jones throws one up in the air and is about to eat it and his friend grabs it crushes it and turns to him and points at the dead monkey who ate the date and says bad date (laughs) (laughs) dating is such a minefield generally Mm -hmm. and i mean i also think that granted i'm A little old, so I didn't actually experience the wonder that is, say, online dating, which is crazy. I mean, I'm sure to most people, even that I work with, the fact that I sort of never engaged in any kind of online dating just because it it just didn't happen for me. Dating, I went on dates that were genuinely like, I'm going to go meet a person that somebody set me up with. I'm going to a venue. You are putting yourself so far out there. On the basis of a friend saying you guys might get along, or like a relative saying my son will be in New York and can you meet him? I think you guys would really get along, you know. And you just it is flying blind. So the potential for Wait, disaster. So have you is had just a blind right. date?
1: Oh yeah. Oh shit. Tell me about a blind d- I've never had a blind date, so this is so fascinating for me. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, the the key here
0: is though, like you know, it wasn't. It's never. It's never handed to you like it's a date. You know, like, it's like, I think I mean, you guys would just get know. along, you know? you know, and maybe you email or maybe you call, you know, but you don't like know the person you haven't met them before. And then they asked you out and then you decide, let's go meet up.
1: Right. Or you haven't picked them from a lineup of like or you Tinder them. or whatever yet.
0: <laughs> but yeah, no, none of the blind dates were actually that bad. They were always sort of courteous, you know, and sort of informal, you know, maybe a little very sexy. <laughs> no, they were not sexy <laughs> at all. I'll give you an for example. I went out on a date with a guy who had not grown up in the U.S., Lovely guy, really liked him, super attractive, super into him. But, like, because he hadn't grown up in the U.S., all of my pop culture references were totally lost. So, like, the things that I would try to sort of say, you know, like, that scene in the movie, nope. You know, like, how you felt when you were in eighth grade, nope. Like, there was just, there was really no, I realized how much of my frames of reference are be shaped by the ability to drop a line from a movie or make a funny reference. That's sort of the, like, the secret language cues by which you sort of discern who's in your lane and who isn't. I totally see that. And this guy was so far out of my lane that I just didn't even know what to do. But he was also, like, super nice and super nice. But I was like, how to communicate this thing with you? That was tough.
1: I've had a few bad dates. And I feel like a lot of my bad dates have been really good dates, like exceptional, hot, sexy, awesome dates, and then some. he or she says something super fucked or does something super fucked. And, and there's I'm a like, record
0: player in the background that goes.
1: Arr! And then I'm like, fuck, I have to get out like right, right now. now. Um, He's a great example. Met this guy. He was a friend of someone that I was working with at the time. And he was a babe. He was Patrick Swayze in Dirty Dancing. He was so hot. It just seemed a little fancier. He was an architect. So <laughs> we go back to his house. And we're sitting on the back porch and he pours me a whiskey, you guys. I've been drinking Ooh. like vodka, soda, lime, pink bullshit drinks and I get a little whiskey. I am like I like that, that
0: those suggest that he's like, you're the kind of woman yeah, who'd enjoy a whiskey. A and you're like, your I want to be the kind of woman totally. who would.
1: So I just like <coughs> chugged it down. Yep. We're having a chat. He pulls out an soft rifle and mm. shoots a bird in the tree with it. What? Yeah. While we were having a conversation. And so I'm like, well, I'm just going to go to the toilet. I'll be back in one second. And sneak out the window. And I, s- I left. I went out the front door. Oh. Got in a cab. Got almost the whole way home when I realized that I'd taken stuff out of my bag and left it on the porch. Oh, f- So I had to go back.
0: Oh, that's that's bad.
1: And... I rang the buzzer to the like to get let into the building. And he's like, Why are you outside the building? Oh no. He had noticed I was gone at this oh, point. Okay. <laughs> and he he was like, I'll throw your shit over the side. Oh and he no. literally just pinged shit off the balcony onto the lawn. It was fine. Wow. Let's be clear, the bird was not attacking us. We were not under threat by the bird. The bird had just woken up. It wasn't a noisy morning bird that was like, fuck yeah, it's 5 a.m., bitches. It was like, oh, here I am, ruffle a feather, feeling a little tired, slipped in, ruffle another, boom. I'll confess that, like, I feel that on
0: dates, my dates, like my interviews, I know within the first five minutes whether I'm going to hire, what I want to hire you or not, and or whether I want to date you or not. And the tragedy is that I know in five minutes. So for me, it was always just that after the first five minutes, if I decided no, then I had to just endure, you know, two hours of hanging out with a person that I already had decided I wasn't going to sleep with. But for you, you could go like two hours and be like, this is great, but then secretly be like, is he going to shoot a bird out of the sky now? Well,
1: I also feel like in my early 20s, which was sort of around the time, like early to mid-20s was when all of this was happening, I sort of liked a lot of different stuff and so I was just up for seeing where things went if I was still sort of having a good time and didn't have expectations beyond like hanging out and enjoying someone I don't know I kind of dated a lot of different types of people Um, but obviously I didn't go into dating any of them thinking that they would shoot a bird I
0: think that's fantastic I feel like I learned that way too late like I really learned that more in the working world that I learned it in the relationship world. So to help us decipher some of the codes and the interesting stories about dates in general, we have asked Andrea Salenzi to join us. She is the host of a podcast called Y O Y, which is a weekly relationships podcast that all of
1: you should listen to. Andrea, thank you so much for coming on. Why don't you tell us a little bit about your show, Y.O.Y.? Sure. So Y.O.Y. is a show about, I say it's
2: where love and sex meets technology, but the real truth is that it's kind of a secret personal journal that I've been doing. (laughs) So a lot of the shows end up tying into my own dating life, and that's because the way I determine the topics isn't in a traditional way. Like, I'm not going to say, this episode's about ghosting. It ends up kind of following my interests and experiences as I've been going through a breakup.
0: And I personally am really a fan of the way you examine kind of the culture of dating and not just sort of the common tropes
1: that are associated with dating. I feel like dating and and the like the common complaint that I hear amongst friends that are dating is that it feels really inauthentic, that you have to sort of put your game face on and go out there and be like – the dating version of yourself. In what way is actually is dating in 2017 actually kind of authentic or more authentic than it's ever been, if that's true? I
2: guess I want to separate a couple ideas. The first is the role of dating apps here. Mm-hmm. So within YOY, we talk about dating apps not as, oh my god, the kids are doing it. What's going on? We kind of talk about them as they're just part of the landscape now and They're kind of, they're not, it's like the way NPR used to go, Twitter, the social media website, like we don't have to do that anymore. (laughs) Um, So there is a a vibe of inauthentic that comes from the apps. The apps are full of bots. They're full of advertising. They uh, often have algorithms that are constantly pushing the most attractive people at you, certain apps are just your, your first 10 swipes will always be people who would never match with you. they just all went to Yale and Harvard. <laughs> they all work at Google. They're all right, just right. like on a yacht. Um,
1: <laughs> Wait, what <laughs> how are they? they s- s- also, how do they scan for that? They're like, scan for more yachts.
2: <laughs> yeah, they actually could be scanning They're for yachts. They could be scanning for more yachts. You're right. Yeah, And they might be scanning for, they both are looking at the user behavior on these photos, but they might also be Knowing that I'm an outdoors person and then looking for more hiking shots, they could know that I'm well, <laughs> She's really into surfer. Send her more yeah. shots of hiking. Yeah. Or like she has a surfer photo, so maybe we need to send her more guys on a surfboard. It wouldn't be that hard for their, their tools True that. to identify a True that. True surfboard. So, Algorithms. Right. right. Brutal. <laughs> so we have this this lens of dating, which is what we're seeing through our phones. And that's take, it's making the process seem really hard to manage. Um, and. The companies that are creating these apps don't necessarily want us to leave the apps. Why would they want that, right? They're growing this user base. If they made them more effective for our lives, they'd be pushing away the people who they're trying to help. That is so real. That is some (laughs) dating Illuminati shit. Right, because if Tinder wanted me to find a boyfriend, they would be offering me more tools for using their system. Right now, Tinder is the pool where they have the most users that I could probably match with. And wouldn't it be great if I could say, any guy who doesn't fill out a profile, please don't show him to me. What if I could say, any guy who doesn't list his college, don't show him to me. Mm. They want me to be swiping longer.
1: Yeah. So they're mm. showing me
2: guys who I know aren't going to really help me out here. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's one level of how it feels inauthentic to me. The other thing that feels eerie right now is just a lack of rules. Mm. And I hear this from women all the time that they, just, they don't know what to make the first message, how to s- – End a date when? How much texting should happen before the date? Just, just we feel like there should be rules, and there aren't.
1: Do you think it's gendered? Do you feel like have you heard a similar thing from? guys from guys are yeah it's probably guys are confused too i'm just hearing less from them okay i mean were there rules before like i feel like to a point there were sort of certain customs that came along with dating and yes they were rigid and we didn't want those either so i'm certainly not saying you've got to wait for your parents to introduce you to a nice southern boar but we've gone to the other extreme where it is the fucking wild west i do like the idea of sort of shat I mean, I don't want to say chaperones because that sounds weird. Like, I don't want someone just lurking on my date. But I do think there was something about having parents involved or family involved or in that sort of, like, old school world of dating where you just had someone that, I don't know, was, like, working some shit out for you so that you didn't have to go in cold. And you just had, like, a Sherpa. You had some sort of, like, dating Sherpa. And I felt I feel a void of that
2: dating Sherpa in my life. void of the dating yeah, Sherpa. because there... There's this thing where because I'm I'm pursuing a career and I'm independent and I went to a fancy college, like no one has stopped to ask me these important questions in my life. And I am grateful that my mom wants me to figure out my own path and make my own decisions. At the same time, it would be nice if someone asked me how this is going for me a little more often or tried to set me up a little more often. Or if my mom had said sooner or So uh, some context is that in my last relationship, we broke up over the kid question. Mm -hmm. And we basically dated for two and a half years without really knowing how to talk about that. Mm. And I think of that as, you know, early on my family should have said, do you see a future with this guy? We see a future with him. You know, how many have you guys talked about kids? Have you talked about, you know, where your careers will land
0: you? I kind of needed that guidance, but we're almost too modern now to offer it to me. That is totally a thing that I rejected in terms of advice from my parents. You know, like if if they were sort of coming at me with what I considered to be sort of traditional values around those things. I was sort of like, well, maybe I don't want kids. Maybe I don't even want to be married. Like, I really pushed the boundaries of what I was going to be. Of course, I've ended up in a very traditional relationship and have a kid. But you need the advice, even though you it's unwanted. But even if
2: I rejected it, it's kind of like when you're a kid and your parents are telling you about sex ed and you're rolling your eyes really hard and you're trying to plug your ears, but you still hear it on some level. Mm. And even if I rejected
1: their advice, I still wanted to hear it. There are still in retrospect so many discussions that I was just not prepared for. And weirdly, I didn't reach out to maybe my parents like I should have. Like the baby thing that you were talking about is, you know, like no one teaches you how to have that conversation. So I think you're right. Like I wanted a Sherpa and I got a Sherpa, but I still didn't listen to my Sherpa. I wonder if this conversation, though, could have been had 50 years ago. You know, if our grandparents could
0: be could be having this exact same probably like old sleeping like, grade. My father told me this, but I didn't want to hear it. But True. I really needed to hear it. no, no, no. Like if that's just a human condition type of thing.
2: The rules felt more clear for my grandma when she was dating. She just knew you date around until you find someone who you want to marry, and you date multiple people at once. And it was just. The the rules were incredibly clear, but I'm sure the world was also
1: smaller. That's true. But was she getting yeah. notes on the third day, or would she get a note in the letterbox on the second? Like was she yeah. like were all those little tiny yeah. details like ambiguous enough that she fixated on some of them too? Like he didn't he wasn't the first one at the dance to ask me. He was the second one. Did he do that on purpose?
2: god like, I really want to ask her. Who taught? Can her we call her up?
1: <laughs> I know
2: her number. We could call her. She's home. Okay, put her on speakerphone. Who am I
0: talking to? Uh, this is Laurel. I'm one half of oh, the Glamour Laurel, Podcast. Oh, what a beautiful name. Thank you so much. Hi. My co-host is Annie.
1: Hi, I'm Annie. Nice to meet you.
3: Hi, Annie. How can I help you?
0: We have a lot of questions.
3: Okay. I'll try to make up an answer.
0: Perfect. <laughs> That's exactly correct. If, if
3: I think the if my true answer is too boring, I'll lie like hell. <laughs>
1: That's perfect. That's already great advice for all of us. I know. I was like, I'm going to take that. That's what I call
0: you for, Grandma. (laughs) Seriously. (laughs) Put that on a poster. (laughs) We were having a conversation about the rules of dating and how today, for a lot of young women, there's this sensation that there aren't the kind of rules that there used to be. Mm. And we were wondering, you know, obviously you as a woman who probably grew up in a world of dating where there were perhaps more codified oh, God, rules, yes. more specific rules. You know, A, what were the rules as you saw them? But then did you fixate on some of the smaller things like we do, like if he was supposed to call you back within a day? Did you freak out if he called you in two days? That kind of thing. Okay. And just some context, my grandma was born in 1930.
3: Remember that, girls. <laughs> okay. Um, telephone calls were not made that freely, or inexpensively. What and, about text uh, messages? <laughs> it was a rare, wonderful thing to have a long conversation on the phone with a guy. Uh, I rarely ever went any place unescorted. I remember meeting guys and they would ask for a date, ask for a date. You went out to dinner. You were dressed up. You wore high heels and a dress. Of course, nobody wore pants. But we did at Syracuse because of the snow, uh, and we went out dinner and dancing and very, very formal. And if a guy took you out a couple of times, uh, you, you were considered like going steady. And going steady meant that you were going to get engaged and then married really soon. Now, in high school, I didn't date anybody with date around it in, in parentheses. Uh, but I had a good friend named Woozy. 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 W O O Z I E. And I, he was my good friend, even though I hated that nickname. <laughs> and I, I thought nobody should be allowed to be called that by the time they're teenagers. <laughs> you know, even a family name, it, it should have departed long since but it hadn't but he and i would go out and whatever we did in the summertime we were in rockaway walking the boardwalk and doing other very legitimate kinds of things in, in full view of other people and i would talk about what i was looking for in a husband and he would talk about what he was looking for in a girl but he wasn't it and i wasn't it but we were good friends And then I met some local guys, and we would go out. Going out in Rockaway, I don't know how it was in other boroughs, but in Rockaway, it meant walking to the movies in town and then going to the ice cream parlor next door where not only would you have your ice cream sundae or soda, but you would be seen by every other kid of importance. It was very important to be seen. And back then,
2: the Rockaways were kind of like Coney Island. There was a whole amusement park. Rockaway, Fort
3: Rockaway was a really small town. It was very hard to believe it was within the city. Uh, I practically never, ever went to the city except on New Year's Eve. I had a standing appointment with that guy, Woozy. and we would come into the city by train on the Long Island Railroad for New Year's Eve. We were dressed up and we ate uh at an expensive restaurant, way beyond his means. And all our comings and goings were regulated by the Long Island Railroad. And
2: I bet you guys can imagine that Wuzzy is my grandpa.
3: What? Yes, what? Lizzie, Lizzie, I did Lizzie not was know that! <laughs> I didn't decide to marry him until after I'd been through a couple of disastrous romances. And I was home yes. between graduating from college and going back for my master's. And he was working as an engineer in New Jersey at that point, and he came back to his parental home every weekend. I didn't realize he was coming because of me. And we went out because we didn't have anybody else to go out with. I was leaving again in September. But um, by September, we had decided that we really had everything going for us except sex appeal. (laughs) Oh, no, he never made a move. Wow. And if I went out with other guys, they were like octopuses. Mm -hmm. Octopi? Yeah, octopi. Now, can you imagine a time when I lived in a cottage, which was an old-fashioned mansion built around the university, and the only telephone in the building was in an open hallway with a payphone. That was the only way anybody could get in touch with us.
1: So not much privacy. What I find actually
0: interesting about a lot of this from the ice cream shop that you would sort of be seen at if you were out on a date to the sort of public payphone, was actually how much of the rituals around dating or communication really happened out in public. You know, if you yeah. were dating a guy, people knew you know, right. your friends knew because it, you were all sort of seen at the same place, or they knew right. that you were making a mysterious call on the phone and they
2: and overheard of course, you. There was
3: no staying over.
0: Also, there was less ambiguity between you
2: and the person you were dating. You always knew it was a date, you always oh, yeah. knew what That's to wear, true. you always knew it could lead to an engagement in marriage.
3: During that year, we were going out, and one night we had been talking about past friendships you'd say relationships today, I would say friendships then. Um, and I said to him, you know, it's really ridiculous. You and I have everything going for us, but you ain't got no sex appeal. Wow, cold, but true. I, I told him the truth. Yeah, we have to. And it was like I had released him from jail. <gasps> After that, my God, I couldn't keep that man's hands off <laughs> me. <laughs> and Yay. by the end of the summer, of course, we understood that when I graduated... When I got my master's, we'd probably get married. And just recently, I was thinking about it, and I don't recall that he ever proposed marriage to me. Oh, wow. Oh. So how- I think it was just understood. So, and, then- and,
2: and would your parents talk to you about it? Would, would, what would they no, tell you actually, about it? My
3: mother was quite shocked. One night, I was stretched out on the banquette in the kitchen, and I said to my mother, I said, I think I'm going to get married. And she said, that's nice, dear. Who are you going to marry? I said, I think I'll marry Wuzzy." She said, but you don't call him Wuzzy anymore. You call him Gilbert. I said, yeah, I think we're going to get married. She said, you don't want to marry him. You keep telling me he's such a nice guy and such a good friend, but that was all. I said, yeah, I think I'm going to get married.
0: And that was that. And, that was that.
3: and, and he lived until he died. Usually, I tell people I killed him, but um,
0: but not this time.
3: Yeah. No,
2: Grandma. What's your advice for ladies who are out there dating today, who who don't what's have the same ease of rules? Advice for roles? ladies
3: out there dating today? I don't know. Yeah, I was a widow for four years, and it was really long, hard, sad years. And uh, I got kind of bullied into at, signing on to, I should say. Uh, one of those dating services, senior singles, and I met a few people. And then the very next week is when I met the guy I was going to marry. But that's the one difference between dating when you're young and you haven't met a lot of people and you haven't been around. Uh, When you're a little bit older, and I was 70 when I remarried, uh, you know what you want and need from a person. I didn't want to have to support somebody. I didn't want to live in poverty or what I thought was poverty. I wanted to still travel and see the world. And I didn't want to pay for anybody to do it. I didn't have to get myself, I don't know, what do you call those guys? Fortune hunters? Ooh, I see. Gold diggers. diggers, I didn't have such a fortune, but I wanted to be able to still travel and be responsible for myself. Mm-hmm. and yet have somebody to travel with me and to protect me.
2: So in some ways it gets easier as you get older, but also harder.
3: It was easier. Yeah. Oh. It really was. Because then you really know what you want to see and hear from somebody else.
2: Grandma, this was such a helpful explanation of, of what dating was like for you in 1947, and I think we can learn a lot from it.
1: I agree. Thank I, agree. Well,
2: so I so much much
3: suppose. Vaginas. I don't know. I don't know if anybody learned anything or if I even I learned anything from it. I learned I, I, I did learned learn. Yeah, we learned. That uh, it was very, very important to not only sexually be attracted to somebody, And sex did happen in those days, but also to like the person.
0: That is very well put.
3: Beautiful, Grandma. Oh, I did like and love that man. He knew me when I was young, and I don't know why, but he loved me all those years. And I never thought I was such a lovable person.
0: Well, I was of course you it. are. I've Aww. only had a phone call with you, and I love you, so I have to.
3: I'll oh, well, showing up
0: at your house later. <laughs> you guys are all invited to
3: Passover. But, <laughs> by the way, I'm having company for dinner tonight. Come on over. <laughs> I mean, I'll probably be there. I have to yeah. tell you,
1: I'll I'll give you I'm so some, some form info. of
3: dead bird.
2: Delicious, oh, okay. Delish. <laughs> delish. <laughs> Grandma. I love you so much, and thank you for coming on. Oh,
3: well, thank this you. Great sweetheart. podcast.
2: <laughs>
0: I can tell you that the rosé is quite good.
1: <laughs> okay, I'm back. Whew. I made mean, <gasps> shit. I feel like Andrea did not warn us about that at
3: all. Andrea did not give us enough warning I'm about really, I really, the awesomeness of that lottery. conversation.
2: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and was he? But I think I proved my point here.
1: That <laughs> yeah, dating used did. to be way easier, yeah, or at least it has that impression. I guess or at it's least more
0: codified.
1: But you're right; it was more codified in the sense that she was like, we didn't even have a proposal because we just knew we were going there. Yeah. I mean, like, that. yeah, you didn't even need the moment to happen. It was so the thing. self-evident steps yeah. the steps that got you further and every time you agreed on the next step you knew what the next step directly after that was we don't have any steps and i
2: yeah i've had friends who move in with a partner and the way they they come up with these coded ways of having that conversation they'll say you know if we move in together i don't ever wanna move out that's what
0: they'll say yeah. you know or if we can and the silence help... just hangs in the air right
2: are we buying the couch together or are, is one of us buying the couch? Are we combining our books? We come up with oh. these very careful ways Coded to language, have yes. the most
1: important conversations of our lives. It's true. I just, I also don't know what, the, I mean, I know what the alternative is. It's have plain conversations about where you're at in a relationship. But, but it's like really awkward and hard too. Like that is not the easiest thing in the world, which is also why I keep going back to the Sherpa. But I think what I really want is just someone to do it for me. I think I just want to What asshole. you just need is a translator.
2: <laughs> you know, now that I'm, 32 and I'd like to have one kid I guess I should do it in five years right now that I have this more clear timeline and more clear goals dating might get easier because I might be better at saying it very early on.
0: I have to say, I was not expecting that we were going to get to call Grandma, but once we got to call Grandma, I was in it for the long haul. I feel I should state for the record that I didn't see the wuzzy thing coming. Like, I was genuinely surprised. My reaction of surprise was not fake. <laughs> my heart, like, leapt out of my chest.
1: Yeah, there was some notebook shit.
0: The best news about all of this, however, is that we got invited to dinner. And that's really the thing I'm the most excited about. Grandma
1: is going to cook us a bird. <laughs>
0: Workwives is produced by Ben Riskin and ACAST. Our associate producer, Katiri Benjamin, keeps the ship afloat. And we have production support from the whole staff at Glamour, including Anna Maysline, Lizzie Logan, and Simone Kitchens. And we're recorded right here at Kane Nast Studio in NYC.